Good to see everybody this morning. A little update on the series that was, that we just came through before we get to the series that's going to be. Um, for the last three weeks or so, we were on a series called Be Rich, came from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it said essentially, if you're rich in the present world, don't miss the opportunity to be rich towards God, be generous, and in so doing, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And you were, you have been, here's a little update from our Be Rich campaign. Your generosity towards the ministries that we talked about was over $10,000, which is very good. And that was over and above all the, the less fun stuff, all the general fun stuff, but there's lots of things that go on here, and we have a, a budget here, and this is what you usually do, so thank you for that. You invest in what God is doing here, and the making of disciples here, and then your generosity overflows into what's going on outside of here, and it did so to the tune of, of $10,000 plus. So I just need to conclude that, if you will, by saying thank you. Thank you very much for that. I mean, I know you're not giving it because I said so. You're giving it because God rearranges your heart in such a way to be generous. So thank you, <laughs> I guess is what I would say. And... Um, and don't stop, you know, just because it's over. You're like, whew, series is over. Good, we can come back now and talk about something else. I and mean, don't stop. You don't have to do that. The opportunity to be rich towards God is always before us. So we had a goal of 16, and so you can still give to those things if you want to. Just put be rich on there. But I do need to say thank you for that. And then start a new series today going forward with prayer. And then we'll get into a bunch of stories from the word and beyond of God's goodness, his greatness, and his faithfulness. So let's pray, and then we'll get into that. Um, Lord, thank you for the generosity that you produce in us, and I just pray that it overflows into those who are in need, and ultimately what happens is, is they get help, but then you get the glory, that you, that you get the credit for what you do and how you take care of us. And I pray today that what we're going to take in, these ancient stories, if you will, about your goodness, would spill over also, would spill over into today, and that what we go through would cause us to recall your goodness in our own mind, like your goodness in our own life. Sometimes all the stuff you do for us gets pushed to the back, and so may you bring it to the front um, and do it through um, what you've preserved for us in these stories and beyond. So we ask it in the name of Jesus, the best thing you ever did for us, and everybody said. All right, it's a little bit different today in that I'm not going to read a passage and then start to break it down and we'll figure out how it applies to my life and your life. We're just going to tell a bunch of stories. Well, we're not, I am, that'd be okay. So I, I feel like it would be a good idea just to have like a big chair up here and maybe are there storytelling jackets? I could just put on a jacket and tell stories. I think there are those. Um, so I hope it's okay today if we do that. And there's very little for you to do other than to listen today. There's not a lot of fill-ins, and the fill-in that we do have is easy, and it comes at the end. So just relax. And we're going to take in a bunch of stories about 
the goodness and greatness and faithfulness of God that we see in the word with this question that's going to ride in the back after we tell these. And the question that's going to ride in the back all the way through is, does God still do the same kind of things we see him doing in the lives of people in the Bible? All this stuff we're going to talk about, goodness and greatness of God, and we talk about it a lot, is it just packed into that book and we always have to call our mind back to it and say, look what God did back there and then live from it here, or does it spill out into today, into ordinary people like us in this room? And we're going to answer that question over and over and over again as we make our way towards Easter. Story after story after story of it spilling through. So here we go. Story number one of several today from the Word, and this one has to do with Onesimus. So I don't know if you know anything about this guy. He may be like some of us. This is essentially his story. He's a non-Christian who makes really bad decisions and finds himself in a difficult spot. Anybody relate? <laughs> See, he's got a funny name, but he's just like us. So we can relate to it. Does God, does God care about Onesimus? So here's his deal. We'll find out. Onesimus lives in a place called Colossae, or Colossae, I don't know, it just depends on how you, you, have you heard of the Colossians? All right, that city, all right, he lives there. He works for a guy named Philemon. Philemon is a, he's a believer, he's one of the first believers in that city, he's rich. Um, he hosts church in Colossae, and that's kind of how it was back then. Someone would come through with the message of the gospel, the good news, and believers were established, and then they needed a place to meet because the church is not a place, it's people. We haven't said that in so long, but you guys are aware of that, right? Church. This is a worship service. This is a church. You are the church. So they need a place to meet, and they would, they would meet at Philemon's house because he had a big house, and he had the where he could do that sort of thing. That's how it happened. Onesimus works for him as his servant of Philemon, and one day he decides he doesn't want to be anymore, so he steals from him and he runs. He runs all the way to Rome, like 1,500 miles. So it's hard to run that far now. <laughs> it's really hard to run that far then. We don't know how much he took. We don't know what he took. All we know, he's a thief and he ran. But wherever you go, there you are, right? So if you're a thief in Colossus, will you be a thief in Rome? Yeah. You're like, if I was just in Rome, I would stop stealing. No, no, not really. You're just going to do that there. Somehow, some way, he gets in trouble there, and he ends up a cellmate of some kind to a guy named Paul. What's interesting about that is Paul knows two things. Number one, Paul knows the gospel. That's actually why he's there. Remember why Paul is always in trouble. Paul's in trouble because he brings a single message to the known world at the time, and the single message is being right with God is not something you do. Being right with God is something that's been done for you by the only one who could do it, his son Jesus, so just receive it. But it was wrecking religion, right? And religion had a certain racket going, and it it caused problems, so he got locked up. So Paul knows the gospel and, this is the kicker, guess who else he knows? 
Philemon. <laughs> He's the only guy in Rome that knows Philemon. Do you know that? 1,450 miles away. And Onesimus meets the one guy who knows his old boss. Serendipity. That's what we call it, right? Like, what a serendipitous moment. Like, there's no, it's no, it doesn't. What a coincidence. No. Who's, it, who's in it? God's in it. So they chat, I'm guessing. We don't read this. We're trying to fill it in. If, if you're in jail, do you talk to your cellmate? So if some of you know. Like, yeah, you do. Okay. So you talk about, you know, so what are you in for? I don't know. What are you in for? Well, this, that, and the other thing. Somehow, some way, the conversation comes around to Philemon. And he's like, well, I know Philemon. And, and, and Apphia and Archippus. That's his wife and his kid. So Onesimus is going, what? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, I took some of his stuff. But I'm sure he had a reason, right? Yeah. Not really guilty. I had it coming. I worked really hard. Whatever. Anyway. Somehow, someway, there in Rome, Onesimus surrenders his life to Christ. I suppose if you were locked up with Paul, you know, a decent chance this is going to happen. Especially, clearly, God wanted it to happen. And he's changed. He's different. And here's how we know he's different. Paul writes a letter to Philemon, and that's the letter we have. He writes this. He's going to ask Philemon to forgive him. And not just forgive him, to let him go. I mean, there's a lot of ways the story could go. If Onesimus gets out, even though Philemon's a Christian, he can have him killed under the law because he did what he did. If he doesn't kill him, he can at least come back and punish him as a servant, or he could just let him go, and then they could be like just brothers in church together. And that's what Paul asked for. He says to Philemon, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have had towards the Lord Jesus and all of the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. Here's what's probably happened. Philemon, Philemon is, he's funding the mission, probably, for Paul to write that way. If you're someone who funds the mission, thanks. It makes such a huge difference to the people who are on it, who sort of given up the ability to fund the mission and they're on it and they're stuck and they just need you to come in and do it. And if you are that person, thank you. It changes everything. It, it makes it possible for the person who's in it and getting just ground down by it, but you're just they're pushing them in and pushing them in and pushing them in, thanks. So he says, I have derived much joy and comfort from you, Philemon. 
my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, and so we jump down to 8 and 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in, in, became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I'm sending him back to you. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred not to do something without your consent in order that the goodness you're going to do, he's supposing he's going to do some good, might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, not as a servant, but more than a servant as a, as a brother. Receive him as you would receive me. And look at the kicker at the end. If he owes you anything, I got it covered. The way the story plays out, and we, we could actually get a tiny snippet of this at the end. At the end of the book of Colossians, there's some greetings that are listed, and part of the greetings that are listed are Onesimus, and it says, greet my brother Onesimus who's in good standing with you there, or something along those lines. So it plays out in a particular way where he didn't get killed, didn't even have to stay a bondservant, but ends up a brother forgiven. Who did that? God did it. I mean, sometimes God just breaks in for the good. You know how many messages I've talked about? God will not deliver you from the consequences of your actions now. He might later, but all these, I mean, lots of people want to come in and gain the benefit of God when things go bad. So you know, your wife might leave or you're going to jail or this, you're going to lose. Something's going to happen. And so you come to Christ because you think what? He's going to fix it when? Now, do you know how many times I've said, no, he's not. He's not. You can be a Christian and locked up for a long time or whatever. It's just the way it's going to be. But sometimes he just does it now. He just breaks in for the good. And you know what? He's not even put off by all the badness that you are. He's not put off by your bad attitude. He's not put off by your... By your running, thieving, rebel that you are. He's not, he's not put out. He's so much bigger than all that, it doesn't matter to him. He's just going to do it. He's going to do it. And he just does it. Now. Like your Tuesday will be way better than your Monday. Just like that. Because God breaks in for the good. Sometimes he does it for people who are in a bad situation and it wasn't their fault. We're really familiar with the ones that are our fault. Sometimes he does it for those. It wasn't your fault. You were just born into the mess. That's the next story. John chapter 9, the man born blind. The Son of God is walking down the road. So I hesitate to call him Jesus because we start calling him Jesus, and it is Jesus, but like he just becomes this character for us. Like, oh yeah, the guy Jesus. This is God in the flesh walking down the road. This is God personified on the planet coming down the road. God in the flesh. With some guys that he's called to be his disciples. And they see a guy, 
blind from birth, and they say, who sinned? What did his parents do to cause that? Because the belief at the time was this. If you were in a bad spot, it's because something you did or something that your parents did. If you were in a good spot, it's because something you did. There was like this connection between behavior and what was going on, and God had the balance. And so if you were such a, a bright and shining example, he would bless you. And if you weren't, he would curse you in this way. That's what they believed. So they're asking him, okay, what did they do? God never sees it that way. Bad things do not happen to good people because from God's perspective, there are no good people. We know that, right? So he doesn't see it that way. He just says, well, it's not the way it is. This circumstance was built in. It was baked in so that God could do something awesome in his life. It says it this way, actually, if I can find it. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So this circumstance, this difficulty was packed in. It was designed to be there from the very beginning for this day. Where I'm going to come and I'm going to do something. And while I'm on the planet, I'm going to be the light of the world. So watch this. Make some mud, rubs it on his eyes, tells him to go wash. He comes back, he can see. And everyone's losing their mind. Mostly about the guy who did it, not even the guy that can see. I mean, they're happy for him, but they're like, what, what's, who's this guy? So they interview the guy. They interview the guy that can see. This is verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked again, asked again, I'm sorry, the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes. And I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does it on the Sabbath. And somebody else said, how can he not be from God? Because no one does this. So they asked the guy who sees, like, what do you think? He's like, I think he's a prophet. They bring in other people to the interview, his parents, and they say, was this kid blind? Is this your kid? Okay, he's our kid. Was he blind? And they say, ask him, because they're afraid. This is what Annie, like, he's a big boy. He can talk for himself. So they ask him again, and he goes through the whole story again. And I love what he says at the end. This is verse 27. He says, I told you this already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples? Which is really funny. I mean, if we had more time... If we had more time to tell the story, it's actually really funny. It just shows you how innocent the guy is. Like, you love him too, don't you? Like, no. no, we don't. We don't love him. We want to kill him. Like, I don't know. So they boot him out. Jesus finds him later, says very specifically, and says, man, do you, do you believe in the son of man? And he says, who's that? I am. Lord, I believe. I like that story. Here's what I like about it. He didn't even ask for it. Do you know that? God just did it. There are lots of stories like that where they ask and they ask and they ask. I mean, they're, they're all over. Every, not every page, but lots of pages. Have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. They're asking, asking. This, he didn't even ask, and God just did it. 
because he could on his own accord. He had a reason, and he told us what the reason was, but he just, some kind, sometimes God just breaks in for the good today. All right, so a couple of non-Christians so far. What about the Christian? I mean, and that's the next one. The next one comes from um, Acts chapter 12. It's a guy named Peter who is following Christ, and he's serving him, and he's, he's working inside the mission. He's doing his deal, and we're all aware, I think, of a promise that exists in Scripture that says, comes straight from Jesus to those who would follow him, believe in him, and it says, in this world you will have, and we know that. It's built in. So, as a matter of fact, it's because of that truth from this platform, so many messages come forward on what to do when you are because we know that piece so well. It's a narrow way, right? Broad is the way. Easy is the way. And it leads to destruction, but narrow is the way. It comes, back the, it, it comes back the other way. It's not an offshoot that goes off to the side. It's kind of right back through the broad way. And when you're on it, and you're following, you're going to feel the, so a caution. If you feel none of the world coming against you, maybe you're not really going against it. Maybe you're just cruising on down with everybody else. It's just a, if you don't feel it, maybe you're not following. But nevertheless, we understand that truth is there. So that's happening. It's happening. And the, the start of chapter 12 says this says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on those who belonged to the church. What an ominous phrase to start in. About that time, he laid violent hands on those who belonged to the church. And it didn't go well for some. James died, and Peter gets put in prison. Now, he was handed over to a, a whole bunch of guards, as far as we know, the way the story goes, there are, there are four around him in some way. So Peter's locked up because of, because of his identification with Christ. And he's in a room of some kind. There, there's two on the outside by the door. And then inside, he's laying between two more on the inside. And he's chained to them. So four there. And in the middle of the night, someone shakes him awake. It's like, hey, let's go. And he sees that he's not chained anymore. So he's like, all right. And he thinks he's dreaming. So why wake up? You know, let's just go with it. Because this could go, this could be good. Verse 10 says, they make their way out. When they passed, when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to an iron gate leading into the city. And it opened for them on, of its own accord, and they went out along the street. The guy that's with him disappears, and it says Peter comes to himself and realizes it's not a dream. He's out. So he goes to a house of believers. So he goes to a house like Philemon. So someone's got some, that's where the church had been gathering. Inside the house, they're praying for Peter's release because they don't want him to die like James did. There's a knock at the door. And I, I love how personal this is. This is the way the story goes. Like this happened. Look at this. A servant girl named Rhoda. You know, not Rhonda, not Rachel, Rhoda. Like 
specifically this kid comes. And who is it? Came and recognizes Peter's voice. She overjoyed. She's so happy. She doesn't even unlock the door. She just runs back to all the praying people. And they're like, it's Peter at the door. And they're like, shh, we're praying for Peter's release. And he's like, no, it's him. It's like, it must be his angel. And meanwhile, Peter's outside like, no, real hand, <laughs> real wood, let me in. And they do, and he's able to tell them that. Look at, look at the detail in the story. They're overjoyed. Go to the next passage. And he's like motioning to them with his hand to be silent. Someone is writing this down who watched it go down. Keep it down. God just broke me out of jail. Sometimes God just breaks in for the good now. Just, he just does it. To, to follow Christ can feel, to, to follow and pursue and, and do the things he's called you to do can feel like uphill all the time. It can literally feel like uphill all the time. And just when you crest that hill and you think, okay, this is going to be it, guess what you find on the other side? Another hill. And there's only so many times, I can tell you, there's only, like, I just can't, I, I can't do another hill. But sometimes he just gives you a little downhill stretch. And you don't have to wait for a long time to get it. You just get it now. He just breaks in and does it. Romans 8, 28 is something we talk about. It's a, it's a promise that's there. Romans 8, 28 says that he's going to work it all for good. No matter how bad it is right now, he's going to work it for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And we hang on to that. And it's that same message that comes forth from this platform a lot because we know what it is. There's a whole lot of following him that's all about not yet. It's going to be, but not yet. And that's very true about that verse. And we are supposed to look ahead for that. And he is going to work it for good. And it's going to be out there. And we're supposed to but sometimes it's now. He just does it now. Like you don't have to wait. That your Monday is going to be better than your Sunday. That your Tuesday is going to be better than your Monday. And it's just going to be right then because he broke in and he did it for the good. I mean, Peter's Monday is better than his Sunday. <laughs> one more from here. This one has to do with so he does that for a preacher. Now we see him doing it, he being God. Now we see him do, do it in someone who's antagonizing two of his preachers. It's four chapters later in a city called Philippi. There's a, a girl who has a spirit of divination. She, she's empowered to read the cards. She's empowered to figure out the you know, the lines. She can tell you what's up with you. She has that ability. Now, it seems okay, seems, actually can seem helpful to those, but the, the power behind it is of an unclean spirit. That's what it's, that's, that's how it's described in scripture. Uh, Luke in his gospel would call her a soothsayer. Seems helpful, 
right? People were benefiting. Okay, well, hey, what's going to happen? And she tells them, and then they can make decisions based on it, and that's, that's good. But underneath it all, it's dark. Is it possible today for someone to appear to be helpful and appear to be helping people make their way in this difficult world? And, but underneath it, and, and really actually have some power to do so, but underneath it and behind it, it's actually unclean or dark. Is that possible today? I think so. I mean, for dark to masquerade as light? I think so. Well, that's what this gal can do. And the people that, uh, she is the possession of some people, and they make money off of her. In two ways. They charge people to ask her questions, like what's going to happen? And then they take wagers on what she says, will it happen or not? So they're making it on both, they're making it on both ends. She's a cash cow. She's a cash heifer, more like it, but she's a moneymaker. She latches on to these, for whatever reason, she latches on, their names are Paul and Silas, and she she finds him, and she follows him around all day. It's like, these two men are from the God Most High, and they are here to show you the way of salvation. Which is fine if you say it once or twice, but when you say it like 150 times, you know, it's annoying. It's actually what Scripture says. It's annoying. Some people think she's doing it to mock them. Some people think she's doing it to drum up business. Some people think she's doing it because she really wants help. But whatever she's doing, she's in the way. She's standing in the way. Her doing this is in the way of what Paul was trying to get done. She's in the way of the mission, and so he's had it one day, and so he turns around, greatly annoyed from the ESV, I mind you, so it's word for word, and said, I've had it in the name of Jesus, you, unclean spirit, be gone. And it is. Now, in an instant, she's different. Here's how we know. The most clear testimony on how we know she has been transformed spiritually is the people who own her. Because in the text, right underneath there, the, the people who own her say, she is not who she was. She's not smart anymore like she was. She doesn't do that thing that she does anymore. We can't get, it's not there anymore. Something has changed inside of her and they're upset about it because they lost their cash and so ultimately they charge Paul with a crime and he goes to jail for it. But let's go back to the girl. She's different in an instant. Now she's, she's out of a job, but she's free. I mean, she's free in a way she wasn't before. L listen to the, I, l I listened to this, there was a description of her that I really liked describing what God did in an instant. God transformed her spiritually. She is now silent, subdued, clothed in her right mind, and no more madness from a distance that looked desirable, but up close was misery. She looked good from, 
from a distance, but really she was suffering from a madness that was miserable if you got close enough to see it. And just like that, God undid it. And not just to leave her for nothing, not just to drift back into whatever else might come her way, but in that town there was a movement happening. She would have been very well known in that town, and there was a whole group of believers that would have been able to surround her and come next to her and tell her who actually delivered her and show her how to walk in a way, show her how to walk in newness of life. So she went from, she went from an existence that she probably wouldn't have even said was bad. She wouldn't have even been able to tell you it was bad, but God gave her something better. He gave her something so good and, and so much better, she wouldn't have even been able to ask for it. But he did it. Just like that. For someone who was in the way of the mission, you, usually people are in the way of the mission, you just go, you're not in the way of the mission anymore. Not him, he's just like, nah, you're in. So does he still do that kind of stuff? Does God still break in for the good? Or is it trapped in that book and we just have to, I just have to tell you about it and then you go, okay, he was really good then and then we leave out of here. Or does he still do it for people like you and I? and the person sitting right next to you. People like Spencer and Amanda Oki. I mean, they're, they're pretty normal. I mean, they're, they have some things that are pretty similar to us. I mean, here's a little bit of who they are. They grew up, both of them grew up in families where they love the Lord, so their parents Christian and they took them to church and they went to youth group and they you know they're pretty good kids decided made decisions for Christ wanted to be followers believers went to college studied hard applied themselves met fell in love and had a plan they had a plan you know like we do they wanted a certain kind of house and a number of kids and they wanted to live in a certain place and like you know how we plan you guys plan like that? Like, this is how it's going to be. And you're so excited and you got it all worked out. Now, it's not that their plan didn't have obstacles. There were obstacles. Spencer had a cancer diagnosis that made, that possibly made, possibly, children that they wanted. It was part of their plan on their own. Difficult. Not, I mean, it, but there was still a real chance that children naturally could come and their plan could be intact. But when we caught up with them here, this was in the fall of 2014. They had just found out that that hope that they had of kids naturally, it was dashed. And they were, they were hurt. They were reeling. They had faith. The series we were in was about the advantages of faith families because when things go bad, you, you need something more than just what you have at the moment. So the advantages of faith. And so we're in a series about what, what happens when things go wrong. The verse we used that day came from 2 Corinthians 4.8. You probably know this. Pressed but not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. So they were hurt 
And in fall of 2014, this is what they had to say. So just a little reminder of what was going on with them. Honestly, I think that in my past, when I had went through struggles um, with faith, there was a lot of anger towards God. That's kind of where I, that's where my emotions went. Um, but with this, I think back in March, I had started reading a book called If God is Good. And I don't know what stemmed me to read this. I had picked it up years ago and I tried to start reading it and didn't want to read it. Um, it didn't interest me. And for whatever reason, back in March, a few months before we found out that he was sterile, um, I had picked this book up and it taught me a ton. Actually, a, few, a month after I started reading it, I thought, oh no, God's preparing me to suffer. I, I really, really thought that. I, I think I even told, told you that, that I think God's coming. Something is something is about to happen. And he, he really did. He used that book to prepare my heart. And I, I can honestly say I never went through that anger stage asking God why. Um, did I doubt? Sure I did. We have a perspective of good, but how we view good is not how God views good. Um, that God can use something, what we, what we look at as bad, like infertility, um, but God is using it for good in our life somehow, even if we don't see that. Um, but a lot of times, because we have a skewed version, version of this good perspective, that we criticize Him when we don't get what is good in our eyes. Honestly, I think, you know, the faith that that um, that can't fail is the faith that has been tested. And I think Spencer's was tested going through cancer, and I think that he would admit that it was tested when he went through cancer. Um, but I had never had anything significantly test me. Um, and so God made us a good pair because Spencer had already been through the fire, and I had not, um, I had a lot of doubt. Um, not that God was good, but that God wouldn't work things out the way I thought they should be worked out. Um, yeah, so I, I worked through a ton of doubt throughout this whole process. I know during my cancer diagnosis, we always live by faith is just faith until it's all you have. And we're at the point now where it's, that's all we're holding on to. You know, we, that the natural way is out for us. We're living by faith to you know, what other option is there? It's the only option. <laughs> Honestly, our prayer from the very beginning is is for God's will to be done, um, whatever that may be. If that's blessing us with one child, five children, no children, whatever it is, is for His will to be done. And, we, and we've kind of agreed on that from from day one. And we've just left it with whatever he's willing to give us or not give us it's a blessing and if kids aren't in our future something else is yeah and i i think too that <clears throat> the night before jesus was taken to, to to go to the cross the next day um in his prayer in the garden of gethsemane where he says not your not my will but yours I think that has been our prayer, especially towards the end, where we've had time to grow our character and God has been able to prepare our hearts and make us more Christ-like, which is His goal anyway. Um, I, I think that has become our prayer towards the end. And I mean, look, of course we want a house full of chaos. We want crumbs on the floor and... and Laundry scattered everywhere and... Right, well, yeah. Well, now, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, more than that, we want to follow His will, whatever that is.
they're hurt right there you're really hurt but they're they're hanging on I mean the whole the whole series is about the advantage of faith and what advantage do you know the advantage you have when you have faith is that you have a larger story to put your story in if you don't have faith then all you have is your story and when it terminates in such a way that it doesn't go your way then everything is lost but when you have a larger story because of faith to put yours in then it's just so it's you're just a small part of a big thing that God is doing and then however it goes for you it's just a different way for you to tell others about him whether it's this avenue or that and it's it's a huge advantage if you don't have it boy if it goes bad for you you've lost everything they're hanging on they're hanging on they're hanging on but sometimes God just breaks in for the good sometimes he just now take the formula out of it if I do this this and this then it'll go this this and this take the formula out because if the formula is in play they wouldn't even be in this situation because they did this this and this and there was supposed to be this this and this right so take that out sometimes God just breaks in for the good. You know that chaos they said they wanted? Okay, well, get ready for it, all right? And, and we just let it run because we sat down with them just this week, early this week, and this is what their family looks like today. When we left 2014... Um, Must have been in October. Yeah, because there was just two of us, and now... You can see things have changed quite a bit. Um, when we recorded last, we actually, Amanda was pregnant. We didn't know at the time, but um, the IVF that we did actually successfully worked. Um, we still didn't know how many were there, but um, we got the news that we were pregnant and you know that was a huge step in itself. Uh, God was faithful because they told us right off the bat that first time around is kind of, it's not as a guarantee or, you know, it's not as success, successful as time two or three. So um, after we found out that we were pregnant, a few weeks later, I don't know, a month later, we had our first ultrasound and they confirmed that both took and the doctor had told us that's unheard of because he said first time around it's either one or none. and. They both took, so you can imagine our excitement. <laughs> yeah. We knew that we had the schedule for the first blood test for the next day. And oh, right. um, yeah, so we, we knew coming into it that, um, that my pregnancy test was going to be the next day. So we were anxious about that, um, which a, we were glad that we were able to do the videotaping prior to us finding out. Timing. because yeah. I mean, it was it was an honest interview you know we we still had no idea if things were going to go the way that we were hoping they, they would go um and and we were still clean clinging on to god's will at that point um so yeah it was it was a little bit stressful that day that we did that interview a little we had a little anxiety for the next day this is layton layton warren and uh this one is easton easton matthew well we said we wanted chaos and as he steals the pacifier from his brother, we've got it. Um, between the blowout diapers and the, Amanda's done more loads of laundry in the last eight months than she's done her entire life. And we've been to one restaurant since they've been born where they haven't screamed. Screamed. 
we got one crawling now, um, and he's into everything. Yeah, it's 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 nonstop. I I think some days that I at the end of the day when I'm putting him to bed at night, I I had a um, the verse that kind of took us through this was Jeremiah 29:11. And um, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And some nights I stand in the nursery holding one of the boys as, you know, things are winding down for the night. And I honestly kind of have to remind myself that that was, that those things still hold true. Because uh, sometimes at the end of the day, you're, you're not thinking <laughs> that God has good things for you after a day of chaos. <laughs> But um, no, it's it's been it's been great. I I couldn't have asked for more chaos. God gave me way more than I than I wanted, and that's all right with me. That's it's awesome. I'm able to uh, minister to a lot of my patients. My coworkers went were with knew the story throughout the whole journey, so um, they, they've seen they've seen it all. Who I really get to communicate with is uh, my patients. That you know they're coming in with a lot of cancer diagnosis and to that that's one of the areas where I'm able to shine a light and you know there is hope um, we, I think we talked whether it be a cancer diagnosis or health relation or uh, you know family or infertility or, or whatever you know God has a hand in it and he, he has a, he has a good plan regardless of what yeah, the circumstances may be So be careful what you ask for. Okay, can we put them up there? Can we just, uh, can we give God credit for that? Because he gets the blame when he doesn't. If that's not there, the bottom one, he gets a lot of the blame. And sometimes the bottom one isn't there, but sometimes it is. The crazy part is, God had already done it when they sat down. When they were that day, he had already done it. They just didn't know it yet. <laughs> she was pregnant that day. That's crazy. Crazy good. So we just, we just let the chaos roll. They were bashing their heads against the microphone. The <laughs> They're like, just let it roll, because that's what they said they wanted. So Sometimes he just breaks in for the good. All right, why? Quickly, why? Um, there's lots of reasons why. God will do it for his glory. We saw that, for the goodness of his name. Um, he will do it for salvation. Uh, to, we saw that in the stories that, Someone needed to know that he really was God and that sort of thing. Does it as an answer to prayer. Um, does it for mission? You heard Spencer say, what does he do now? Now he takes what God has done and he pushes it forward. So when the people come in, lots of cancer diagnosis, and he's able to tell them going forward, hey, here's my story. And there's hope. And it's not hopeless. And sometimes he just does it for blessing. He just blesses those who are his. He just... We read it here. Sometimes he just blesses those who aren't. I mean, he just does. He just breaks in for the good of all kinds. And uh, we want to show you that. 
in a whole bunch of ways from now until Easter. We're just going to keep showing you that, that he does, he still does it. It's not trapped in a book. And all the way from here till Easter, we'll just give you story after story of everyday people just like us, just you and me, and people sit right next to you. Probably will be someone maybe over the weeks to come will be sitting right next to you and just come forward and just give you a testimony. This is what God did for me and for me and for me and for me. And then we'll kind of get to the end of Easter and we'll just have a big celebration. So think about a couple of things as we go down. I think the band's going to come out. Um, think about a couple of things as we go down the road here. One, think about your own story. No one we talked about today could tell their own story without including in it, and then God did this, or God did that. Think about it. everyone we talked about today. They would all have to say, and then God did this for the good. So I promise you, it's so easy to tell your own story without including that. I mean, I could track right on down. I did this, and then I did this, and I made this turn and that, and all, all that stuff. And never once, I'll, I would have to think about it later to put him in. So think about your own. How has he been good to you? Call it to the forefront of your mind. And then think about those who could really use some stories like this. Somebody you know in your life who could really use to come and sit and listen to how God is involved in the details of our lives for the good. They could really use that in their life now. Invite them all the way along as we kind of build these stories. And then, as I said, we'll celebrate at the end. So we close with worship today. And the goal is we're supposed to come out of here saying, wow, look what God did. Like a high view of God in our mind because of what he's done. Not just what he did, but what he does. And so with that high view of him, let's close with a song of praise and worship to him.